This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand-new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports. It is Tuesday, December the 6th, as we record, just to give you a frame of reference, especially in this ever-changing world of college football where, by the hour, the transfer portal and coaching carousel and all points in between have rosters flipping over and staffs flipping over and just all kinds of uh, calamity and moves going on. Uh, We'll do our best uh, to bring you up to date on all things going on with Baylor Athletics, but uh, keep in mind that things are fluid and they change quickly. So giving you that frame of reference so you realize sort of where we're coming from in terms of timing, but uh, welcome in, as I said, and I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim365.com writer, 365 Sports radio host, and of course, host of this grand podcast, joined by Grayson Grudhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter for Sikkim 365. We've got Garrett Ross behind the scenes uh, producing as well, and uh, we have quite a bit to get to this week because of what I mentioned, the transfer portal, uh, coaching carousel, both those things, hitting Baylor football over the last week, uh, whether self-induced or otherwise, and we've also got their bowl assignment as well uh, after the announcements came down on Sunday. So, uh, Grace, let's get right into it. Uh, There's a lot of ground to cover, and there was no bigger story despite the transfer portal, despite the bowl game announcement. Uh, There was no bigger story than what went down shortly after uh, we got done with our recording last week. Um, just a day or so later, uh, word got to us uh, right before or right at the beginning of one of our radio shows that some stuff was going down over on campus in terms of Dave Aranda and his staff. And for a few minutes, we didn't know exactly what that meant. Eventually, Colt Barber comes out with his report, and all became clear for everybody. Uh, Dave Aranda was not wasting much time in making some changes uh, as Similar to year one, when they got wrapped up with the COVID year, you saw him, what, like two days after the season, uh, making moves, getting rid of Joe Wickline, getting rid of Larry Fedora, and so on. And we know what that led to, led to Eric Mateos and Jeff Grimes in a Big 12 championship season the following year. Uh, Hopefully it works out that way again this time around. Uh, But some major changes and, you know, some moves um, that, quite frankly, I think one was sort of if you had to pick a move that was to be made, everybody would have been on board and said, yes, this has probably happened. And the other one, a bit more shocking. The one that was not a grand surprise, special teams coordinator and safeties coach Ronnie Wheat out after just one year, Uh, a guy that Aranda has known for a while. I saw somebody uh, frame him as like his attache, so like kind of his right-hand guy. Um, and, you know, that was a move that was made this past offseason. Clearly didn't work out, so Ronnie Wheat out. Baylor needs a new safeties coach and a special teams coordinator. And on the flip side, uh, defensive coordinator Ron Roberts out as well. And that was the surprise, I think, uh, for everybody. Uh, he was with this program the last three years. Uh, came over with Aranda originally, and obviously one of uh, Aranda's longtime mentors, So those moves made, and, well, how did you react, and how are you reacting here a few days later to uh, both Ron Roberts and Ronnie Wheat being out? Yeah, I mean, so Colt actually called me, and we were working on the article to kind of get things set um, so that it would be kind of ready to go whenever the report was ready to drop. And so, you know, just kind of talking to him and trying to figure out, you know, in my head kind of the direction that they were going and and kind of where I guess the, the program is at. Um, was very interesting in my eyes to kind of just view it as, okay, so Ron Roberts, this guy who we saw just have this magical season the year before, and he and Dave Aranda appeared to be, you know, in complete sync, and they had just this great defense with all these leaders and all these guys who um, were basically coaches on the field, and everything worked out perfectly. And then you fast forward to this season, and everything just dropped off completely. I mean, they were 65th in the country uh, in points per game, giving up 26 and a half points per game this year. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about this, but it didn't appear that 
individual guys who had big seasons the year before really took massive steps to get better. Um, if that if that makes sense to everyone out there, it didn't seem like there were a lot of a lot of growth individually um, at various positions and various player groups. So I, you know, I'm sad to see Ron Roberts go, but I also think this is one of those situations where I think Dave Aranda decided they need more of a fresh take in the room and also maybe someone who more so aligned with kind of their philosophy and what they want to do defensively. And I think that's kind of what led uh, to that change specifically. Now, as far as Ronnie Wheat goes, like you said, I think that was the one that we could have circled um, at the beginning of the offseason as kind of like, okay, that position group didn't do great. You know, what are the reasons why? Um, did they show signs of improvement? Were there individuals who were developing and growing? There wasn't a ton of that. And then also the special team side was just really, really rough to see, especially when you have all these veterans returning, guys who have, you know, kicked for a long time with, you know, John Mayers was fine this year, but Isaiah Hankins just completely was not good after having a good freshman year. Noah Rauschenberg was okay. I think he had a pretty good year. Isaac Power took a step back. Like, it just didn't seem very in sync with that group. And then, of course, when you're giving up blocked extra points for a touchdown against West Virginia, that doesn't look very good. And missing field goals at inopportune times, like all of that together did not go great. And I think the other problem is is that he replaced a guy who had a great year last year in Matthew Pallage because uh, Pallage left to Oregon. And so now looking back on it, Pallage is really the only guy that I think Dave Aranda and company have lost that they didn't really want to lose. Um, and so he left, and then you brought in Ronnie Weed, and things just didn't quite work out the way that they did the year before. So I'm intrigued. I think this is going to be a lot of fun covering this and figuring out, you know, the pieces that Dave Aranda tries, you know, to move to try to add some – some fresh takes and some guys who he feels really strongly in. And I, you know, I have some guys that I'm kind of looking at as who would be good fits. But as far as right now at this very moment, knowing what direction Dave Aranda is going, I don't have a ton of information on that quite yet. Yeah. I mean, uh, we can all play fantasy booker and mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be great if Jim Leonard came over and yeah. that sounds great, but it's a bit more complicated than that, obviously. And who knows what direction he ultimately goes. Obviously we'll be the first on that when that time comes, uh, much like the report initially. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty shocking news. We were sitting here and got a text about, like, there's something about to go down. And, you you know, mine's wondering, could be any number of things. And, oh, Ronnie Wheat's out. Okay. Uh, Ron Roberts is also out. What? Uh, that was that was wild. Um, but probably needed, and based on just what we've gathered and kind of hearing both sides of it, it just sounds like, yeah, it's just time for a change. And uh, yeah. pretty simple that it was just time for a change and best for everybody to go their separate ways and do something different or, you know, go a different route. And so that's what Baylor will do on defense. Dave Arend is a defensive guy, as everybody knows, so not super worried about him being able to, you know, use his connections or find the right pathway for this group. But, yeah, they definitely took a step back uh, on special teams, I think, clearly. Uh, I think there was some frustration on that side of the ball. Um, and then, you know, defensively, for as much as people complained about Blake Shapin and complained about Jeff Grimes, which I will maintain, anybody thinking that Jeff Grimes doesn't know what he's doing, I just cannot disagree any more than, than possible. Um, I, I feel like if you want to say that he made some bad calls here and there, okay, every OC does. Uh, but he was not the reason they lost a bunch of games this year. Um, but the defense did play a heavy role in that. And the offense did as well. But I think that the offense the focus is always just so much on like this turnover or that lack of scoring drive. And it's like, do you realize they're scoring like 30 plus points and they're losing games? Like that's not the offense's fault. I think that there was this misconception because of what happened last year that the defense was playing at an exceptionally high level because it was just assumed, but that just wasn't the case. Baylor was having to play keep up a lot this year. And um, ultimately, like if you put this offense with last year's defense, like they probably have the same record or maybe they're even better. So that's just one thing that I caution people. This defense was not the level that Dave Aranda wants. And I think that's very clear. He made that very clear by what he just did to start this off season that he said, he's basically saying we need to get better. We need to change our philosophy and we need to develop players even better than we have at this moment. Yeah. They, t- they took a step back this year overall uh, following the 12 and two. And I think everybody realizes that and now it's time to fix that. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear early on that, uh, 
you know, things weren't quite right and you couldn't quite put your finger on exactly why. And now at least makes a little bit more sense of why just things didn't seem to be uh, super aligned this year. No matter how much he talked about it, no matter how much they focused on it, there was always something just weird about this team. And now we kind of have a clear direction and it makes more sense that he spent nearly 12 months talking about lack of leadership, talking about even coaching, having some weird things going on, and you just always wondered, like, what is he getting at or what does that mean? It's like, okay, well, now it's all making a bit more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I do want to mention, because I know we're going to get this question or I know people have questions about this, how does this impact the 2023 recruiting class, right? Because they have a lot of defensive guys, and I've talked to majority of them, and the consistent theme is, man, it stinks that, you know, I'm losing the defense coordinator that recruited me or losing the safeties coach that recruited me. But on the flip side, still locked in with Baylor. I haven't heard one person say, ooh, now I'm on the fence about this. I I think it's really helpful that Dave Aranda is the head coach because I think everyone who plays defense is very secure in the fact that Dave Aranda is a master, a genius defensively. And so that's why this doesn't really affect them as much. I will say Ron Roberts did build some good relationships though with 2024 guys and some 2023 guys that they've been recruiting for a while. So he hasn't been terrible at all as a recruiter. He hasn't been elite, but not terrible by any means. Ronnie Wheat, um, not enough, probably not a big enough sample size on him, I would say, quite yet. So I want to say a couple of things before we move on to uh, other matters. And obviously we'll be all over these coaching searches as Aranda looks to now find a safeties coach and a special teams coordinator and, yes, a defensive coordinator. And um, was what was Robert's uh, linebackers as yeah, well? Yeah, so he was D.C. linebackers. And then, of course, Wheat was safety special teams. Yeah, um, so – is there any guy just off the top of your head? Was there has there been any guy that's popped on your radar? I know you said Jim Leonard, but is there anyone else that has just kind of, hey, he might be a good fit for you? Have no, you- I've I've not been able to see much. I had to bleach my eyes after the Gary Patterson suggestions. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So I've you know been working my eyesight back right. to be able to read the posts. Yeah, there there were a couple that I mentioned on the board. So I just I'll name a couple that I just personally again. Personal opinion, not not any insight quite from the staff or whatever, what direction they'll go. And plus, Dave Aranda is probably going to get someone who's somewhat off the radar as of right now. Um, but Matthew Pallage, well, if you brought him back to be defense coordinator, I think that'd be a cool move. He'd mm-hmm. coach safeties and be the D.C. Uh, I think that could be very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Give him special teams, too. They yeah. worked well under him, yeah, but that's a lot could. on the plate. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people have mentioned Bill Bush, who coached with uh, Dave Aranda. At you know at LSU and did a great job. He'd be a safeties and defense coordinator type guy. Jim Leonard, I think he's going to stay at Wisconsin. So I really I don't see that one happening. Uh, two names that are probably unlikely, but they had great years coaching defense, and I could see them working out really well. Is Chris Hampton at Tulane? Um, good recruiting connections there. I think he would do a very nice job and, and be a very good kind of rising defense coordinator. And then of course uh, Lance Gidry, who's at Marshall. Uh, but he also was the head coach at McNeese State uh, for three years. So I think he could be another interesting guy uh, at defense coordinator. But I will say, I think based on what we've seen from Dave Aranda, I don't know that he's going to want to hire like a young ascending coach. It, it seems like he's been more into established coaches with long track records, at least up to this point. Well, it'll be uh, interesting to see which direction that he goes. Obviously very calculated to not wait long to make these moves, which leads you to believe that, you know, they're pretty obvious what moves needed to be made. And uh, he wasted little time, and that's good because there's a lot going on. You can ill afford to wait too long in this yeah. industry right now on anything because if you do, then you're going to get caught slipping or sleeping. And next thing you know, there's not a lot of candidates, not a lot of quarterbacks, not a lot of, you know, whether it's the portal or staff hires. Like, you better be on your game uh, or you'll get passed by very quickly. So yeah. uh, he wasted no time and. I'm sure is not wasting much time in figuring out the right person to pursue. Uh, I do want to say, as I, you know, mentioned uh, Jeff Grimes in the offense, uh, I understand that a lot of the frustration uh, that was directed towards him was on like an individual play call here and there. Um, 
he wasn't throwing interceptions in the red zone and ill-timed. And I think that that is something his side of the ball needs to clean up, and that was a bugaboo. It wasn't like the offense was without mistakes. I do yeah. want to point out, yes, they had their mistakes, but I don't just say, like, that was Jeff Grimes' play calling that no. caused that, you know. So just want to clarify there. You know, as far as Aranda's a master of defense, he, he is. And, uh, you know, Roberts is a great defensive guy as well. But uh, I feel like, you know, Somehow or another, they were almost kind of caught slipping uh, with what this league was going to be, which is really weird because I remember being at Big 12 Media Days and asking Aranda about all the up-tempo stuff yeah. and, like, all these guys being back in the league, uh, like the Kitleys of the world. And you knew McGuire was going to go up-tempo. Like, he made no, you know, uh, bones about what they were like. We're going to go fast, fast, yeah. fast. And then, obviously, what Sark does. And then here comes uh, Jeff Lebby. And it's like, how did you get caught off guard? Like, I, I asked you quite like not, not that I did anything, yeah. but you know, like I couldn't have been the only one asking these questions and it was just surprising to kind of see them not be ready for that almost. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were still playing last year's big 12 and, ball and the big 12 had changed over the off season. So, and they just looked slow. Right. And it so was, that was, that was surprising this year. It, yeah, so the read react stuff was just, it was slow. Everything yeah. was slow. And so, yeah, that needs to get corrected, but you're exactly right. All these teams were like, we're going to go fast. We're going to spread you out. And Baylor was just kind of this clunky robot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Running down the aisle. And so strong up front. But then once you start getting to the outside, it was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're getting, you're getting torn up for 10 yards every time a guy's getting the ball and then you're not tackling. And then yeah. when those by the end of the year is Bijan going for, yeah. you know, a billion yards. So we got to move on from uh, this uh, and get into the transfer portal stuff because there, there are a lot of notes. So Ron Roberts out, Ronnie Wheat out, understandable, unfortunate, but on to the next thing for everybody involved. Uh, meanwhile, in the transfer portal, there were two guys in before last week that had entered their names or declared that they would be entering when the portal officially opened up. And that was wide receiver Seth Jones and also wide receiver slash running back Josh Fleeks. Uh, they're still in there. They'll find their spots, whatever. But two names now joining them and only two uh, as we record this. Uh, and one domino that fell that was not surprising, Grayson, was a big one. It got a big reaction, of course, because the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy, and especially after the year Blake Shapin had even more so. Uh, but Kyron Drones officially puts his name into the transfer portal, put his little graphic out, uh, you know, also saying that he would still reconsider, um, you know, returning to Waco. I uh, don't know how often that actually happens in these situations. And certainly uh, this on the surface is worrisome in the immediate term because right now they only have one scholarship quarterback, and that's Blake Shapin as they get ready for this bowl game that we'll get to in a little while. Uh, Luke Anthony is the backup now by default, uh, but he's not a scholarship guy. I uh, think, goodness they got him this past offseason because otherwise what would they do <laughs> heading into this Air Force game uh, but also Drone's a guy that you were kind of waiting for him to get his turn and get his time and it was just few and far between and even when Shaping was struggling uh, they didn't go to Drone's you know in, in those situations so uh, I don't think this comes as a shock something had to, to give especially in today's quarterback driven college football uh, there's a lot of guys in the portal, and quite frankly, I don't know where he stacks up at this point because when he jumped in, there's like 10 guys that have jumped in since that are like starting quarterbacks right. from Big Ten and Pac-12 and like JT Daniels just jumped in yeah, today. Spencer Sanders. Spencer is Sanders in. is in there, and that's just the Big Devin 12. Leary. Hudson Card. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, so anyways, Kyron Drones, uh, you know the family and, and all that pretty well covered his recruitment. Your thoughts on him jumping in the portal? Yeah, I mean – I didn't want to see this. The Baylor staff didn't want to see this. No one wanted to see him leave. I think everyone was liking his development and the way things were kind of trending for him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is he got beat out during the spring and he got beat out during the fall and it really wasn't particularly close. I mean, it, it just is what it is. This was a three guy race, but it really was Blake Shapin versus Gary Bohannon by the end of it. It absolutely was fall camp came around. It was still Blake Shapin's team, still his job. And then during the season, it was kind of more the same. And I know Kyron did show flashes. I know he got better throughout the year and I know he started to show more of those flashes in practice. And of course we got to see him in the West Virginia game. And I think that the misconception people have is that Kyron was just, is how do I put this? I want to put this in the right way, but I guess 
everyone talks about the backup quarterback and they just think, hey, if you just throw him out on the field, he's going to do great. Or like some guys aren't practice players, they're game players. And I understand all that, but as a coaching staff, I don't think they could reasonably come to the conclusion that he was ever better than Blake Shapin this year. And so why would you make that move? Why would you risk throwing in Kyron Drones knowing that Blake Shapin has been better than him in practice? Basically the entire year was just better than him. Why would you make that move and then risk Blake Shapin going into the portal, a guy that you have a lot of faith in, that you've seen earn this opportunity and earn this job, and then you throw Kyron in there, you potentially lose the better quarterback for no reason. I just don't think that, that to me, there was no reason for the Baylor staff to ever do that. They decide not to do that. And honestly, regardless of what happens with Kyron, I know they would like to have him back, but regardless of what happens, that was the appropriate decision, in my opinion. Yeah, I think for Shapin's confidence, if you've not quit on him, and I don't think there's any indication that they have uh, you couldn't yeah just toss him to the side um and i understand it's a bit more complicated than just saying it that generally like in certain situations when they were really struggling like you throw drones in there but that's easy to say from our spots Mm -hmm. i mean it's really easy to say from where we sit and we have no repercussions by saying that and we don't have to actually act on it and and you don't have to look your team in the face and say we're throwing Kyron out there when they've seen him in practice and seen Blake shape and be better and then what happens if he goes in and struggles and then you're like oh well hey Blake uh you know and then then Blake's like nah you know what I'm gonna leave yeah it's just it's a bit messier than people ever really describe it Mm -hmm. as it's just like oh I would have done this and it's like yeah but there's 10 other things that you're not taking into account by doing that that decision so right and and again I want to continue saying They like Kyron a lot. They think Kyron could be the starting quarterback at Baylor at some point. I just think this is kind of one of those things where he was probably just getting impatient, wants to explore his other opportunities, and I still think as of right now, Baylor would take him back. And so that's kind of the situation that we're in uh, with Kyron. But again, the backup quarterback is always so popular Mm -hmm. and so famous, and majority of the time they don't pan out, you know, wherever they go. Yeah, uh, so best of luck to him. Uh, As I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's a crowded quarterback market already in the portal. you got several starters that have jumped in. Um, We mentioned some of them, like the Devin Learys, the Hudson Cards, who wasn't a starter but has been a starter um, and certainly is probably near the top of, like, the most heralded guys in the portal right now or most, um, you know, viewed or – maybe most most attractive prospects in the portal. I think he'd certainly be in that mix. And there's there's multiple others. I mean there's Sanders, like we and said. And Spencer yeah, Sanders, yeah. Crazy. But there's a there's a several guys and and that's just the quarterback spot. The portal era really is interesting. So Kyron's in there now. Uh, we'll see, you know, ultimately what he ends up doing. Uh, was a redshirt freshman this past year, saw a little bit of time, uh, but not anything to really write home about uh, through what, let's see here, 14 of 23 for 219, a touchdown and a pick uh, in his limited action uh, this season, appearing in five games. Uh, really, the West Virginia game when Blake Shapin got hurt was his big, you know, lasting appearance and, uh, you know, threw for like 50% and they lost that game, obviously. Things just kind of went downhill when, when Shapin got hurt. That wasn't all on drones by any no. means uh, at all, not blaming him for that. But that was basically, and then, you know, that was that was really it uh, to, to write home about as far as his appearances this year go. So best of luck to him. Um, you know, definitely saw a bit of buzz when he first entered, mm-hmm. uh, but that's sort of cooled off as a hundred other guys have entered now. And once it all sort of settles and shakes out, and guys pieces start falling, I'm sure he'll be you know uh, finding his his right destination in no time, and maybe that's back in Waco, as you said. I know that they would welcome him back. Yeah, and I mean, if you're sitting here going, okay, what Power 5 job could he go and just get handed the starting job and not have to compete? I I don't think there is one. So why wouldn't you stay in the place where you know that you're going to get an opportunity to continue to grow? You know the offense. You know that um, Blake didn't have an amazing year. Maybe you can compete this offseason. You know, those things, I think, should come into play, or maybe he goes to the group of five and, finds a spot where they say, hey, you're going to be our starter. I guess that's possible, but I don't know that I see it at this point. Like Jacob Zeno, like Gary Bohannon. um, Gary got the guaranteed starting spot, which in hindsight, I'm not sure that USF would do again because they lost their freshman quarterback who transferred. Well, they have a new coach now. I'm not sure that he will be the starter next year. I don't know how he'll fit into Alex Golish's uh, 
Tennessee offense. Yeah, and then Zeno was behind that Dylan Hopkins kid who actually played really well at UAB. Um, but, yeah, he got some cracks because Hopkins got hurt, played okay, and then Charlie, of course, got hurt in, like, the second game at Liberty. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Brewer. I forgot about Brewer as well. Um, so, uh, elsewhere, Devin Neal uh, was a starter uh, at times for this defense. I know that that sort of changed as the season went along. Um, but young men initially came from out of state. Uh, Kentucky uh, was where Dave Arendt and company went and, and grabbed him and brought him in uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, just wrapping up his redshirt sophomore, or no, it was a true sophomore season. And uh, we'll have, what, I guess three years to play two, or no, yeah, three years to three play years, two, I believe. Like uh, it's yeah. all confusing. Doesn't matter. He'll be doing it elsewhere. He's a rule guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he was, was a rule guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, he was a rule guy. They held on to him when Aranda came on. So, regardless, uh, wrapping up his, uh, what, junior season. Yes, junior season is what I was getting for. I don't know why I said red shirt. Wrapping up his junior season, uh, he has now entered the transfer portal um, and seen, you know, initially like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Just because anytime somebody jumps in the transfer portal and then you sort of, you know, get back down to earth and realize, okay, this isn't a devastating loss uh, and this is, you know, part of the attrition that you were expecting this offseason. Uh, you knew guys were going to be leaving. So, Devin Neal, another one that's jumped into the portal. Your thoughts? Yeah, high hopes for Devin Neal. Just a great athlete, very special athlete from Kentucky, like you mentioned. His high school film is electric, fast, strong. Um, just looked like a guy who could be a game changer at some point in his career. But this offseason... You know, it was very interesting because they moved Al Walcott to safety, right? And then you ended up with a room where you had Devin Lemire, you had Al Walcott, you had Christian Morgan, and you had Devin Neal. And it was like, okay, only three of them can start. And so once the season started getting closer and closer, it was basically, okay, Devin Lemire has the field safety position locked down. Like that had been the case since spring ball. You moved out Walcott specifically to play star, even though you had Devin Neal playing some star in the spring. And then you were getting Christian Morgan back, and you were basically just deciding, should we just play the guy who played boundary last year or try to fit in Devin Neal at this position? And it ended up basically being a rotation between the two of them all year long at the boundary. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that Devin loved that, but that was the case. And frankly, neither of them really had a very good year. And I, I think that's just is one of those situations where, you know, maybe he felt like he should have been the starter all year. And then on the flip side, maybe Baylor just didn't quite see it from him this season, one to play Christian Morgan. And so now we're at this point where Devin's decided to move elsewhere. Do I think this is a big loss? No, I don't. I think he's a good football player, but I don't think we've seen him really turn his athleticism into being a great football player quite yet. And I see some young guys who I think could come in and potentially push him and take his spot, which I think is another reason why he's probably transferring. Because I'm seeing guys like Al Allen, and I'm seeing the transfer portal, guys getting looked at at the safety position, the transfer portal. And I see Devin Bobby, and I, I just see guys who I think could come in and play a big role at the safety position. And I, I don't know if that's the reason why he's leaving, but I will say that what we saw this year was not enough to say he will for sure be a starter next year. Yeah, I think that's all very fair. It was weird. I saw his father after the Robertson Wheat News came down, and I tweeted about it. Uh, his father actually mentioned, like, yeah, it was a move that needed to be made. And he was not the only parent of a player, either current or former, right. that was vocal on Twitter about, like, yeah, it was time for this, which was also very enlightening when you look back on yeah. that day. Uh, but it was just weird for him to make that comment. And then, like, two days later, Devin Neal's in the portal. I was like, yeah. that's that's sort of strange. But, um, you know, that was his, his parting comment, I guess, on, on the program, knowing that his son was still transferring, that it was still the right move for them to make. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he was a guy, obviously, that people had very high hopes for. Um, great athlete, like you said. And, yeah, just uh, a spot in life for, uh, for him and for this program to kind of just mutually decide like yeah let's let's go our separate ways here so right. it's part and of remember, the deal they have these end of year meetings mm -hmm. so and the after the end of year meetings is kind of when drones and neil enter the portal so i i think conventional wisdom tells you they probably didn't love the way the meeting went or didn't love what maybe their outlook was going forward or didn't love that they weren't a focal point you know what i mean or Things just had like their that. 
their thoughts already confirmed after sure. having made their decision a while ago that sure. this was probably the route they were going to go. So yeah. best of luck to Devin Neal. Best of luck to Kyron Drones. I uh, definitely think that there's a better chance Kyron could be back, but not putting any money or banking on that in a heavy way at all. So to each their own. But that would be the dream scenario. Doesn't always go that way. Uh, Devin Neal, maybe he joins Rule at Nebraska. That certainly seems like a possibility, but we'll see for him as well. But that's it as far as the transfer portal goes, which are you surprised by that? And uh, part two, uh, where are they looking? Where are they at right now in terms of the transfer portal? Yeah, so I am surprised by that. I felt like there would be more, but as we talked about, you know, before we started recording and you brought up a good point, I mean, there's so much time. Like, it doesn't have to happen immediately. It doesn't have to be this quick announcement of all these guys are leaving. And so I think there will be more attrition. There, frankly, has to be more attrition because they got to get in the 2023 class. They got to be able to take transfer portal guys. And right now they don't really have much wiggle room for that. And so there will be more attrition. Be prepared for that. Um, And don't get too caught off guard or get too upset when guys do decide to leave. It happens. I mean, it's the transfer portal era and it could be worse. You could be Oklahoma state who has like 15 God, guys. Dude, in they've the portal. been decimated. Yeah. They got like 15 guys in the portal and like what? 12 of them were starters. It's ridiculous, man. It's crazy. And so I, I just think just keep that in mind. Most of the guys that Baylor will lose or could lose are pretty much guys who weren't, you know, huge parts of their plan going forward, at least in my eyes. So, As far as the portal where they're at right now, so far only two offers are out. And so the first one was kind of a a really quick offer uh, to Jonathan McGill, who's a grad transfer safety out of Stanford. He has two years of eligibility remaining, 5'9", 183 pounds, 116 tackles, four interceptions, 12 and a half tackles for loss, and 17 pass breakups in 30 games at Stanford. Uh, He played as a freshman and then had really a breakout year this past season and played exceptionally well there for Stanford. And when I watch his film, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a kind of a Jalen Petrie type. Like, I think he'd play star for Baylor. I know others have said, oh, he could play boundary or field. And I think he could. He's got the talent to do so. But I think when I watch his film, I see a guy who could be very impactful at the star position. And to get a guy who's old like this, who's played a lot of college football, that's exactly what they need in my eyes. Because I think this year, you know, with Al Walcott in that star position, he was good, but the cast early on held him back. The fact that he wasn't able to practice fully for a while held him back. The fact that this was his first year playing star held him back. Um, So I think all of those things probably tell me that this would make a lot of sense for Baylor if they're able to land him. Uh, He's taking a visit to SMU this weekend, but he and Kevin Curtis are working on setting up an official visit at Baylor. So look for that in the coming weeks or so for him to get on campus. Um, And then, uh, so that's a big one. Again, I think he'd be a star take for this Baylor staff. And then another offer came out yesterday as uh, Baylor offered Wake Forest transfer cornerback Gavin Holmes. Uh, He played really well for Wake Forest this past year. Over the past two seasons, 42 tackles, two picks, 13 pass breakups. He's got two years of eligibility as well. He's 5'11". So a little bit bigger at the cornerback position, solid size in my eyes. Um, But the crazy part about him is he got all of his offers yesterday. And when I say all of his offers, he got 11 of them. Uh, Some of the schools, Texas, Washington, Ole Miss, Tulane, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Kansas, West Virginia. The dude's got a loaded offer list, and it's really only been a day. So that one's going to be very competitive, I think, for the Bears. And it could end up being a situation where he ends up at Texas and then it's kind of a Ryan Watts situation, but Gavin Holmes, very good player and kind of, I'm very happy they sent this offer out. I think he's a very, very good prospect, could be an NFL guy. And uh, so, yeah, that's it for right now as far as offers go uh, in the transfer portal, but they are looking at the offensive line. They're looking at the defensive line, nose tackle in particular. Uh, the secondary, as we've mentioned, is an area where they're for sure looking. I, I think based on what I saw this year, You know, Devin Lemire, Lorando Johnson seem to be the only two guys for sure locked in. And then if Al Walcott comes back, of course, I think he'll be locked in to start in some capacity, whether that's at boundary or at the other cornerback position if he gets moved back there. But that's kind of where we're seeing this trend going with these offers um, up to this point. 
All right, so, so there we are on the transfer portal. A lot, obviously, still to unfold there. Meanwhile, uh, one final note when it comes to football, the bowl announcement. We did get that uh, this past week, just saving the best for last. Uh, no, obviously, uh, not the most fun locale or just the most fun game in the world, but uh, not one that this program can afford to lose in any way, shape, or form, uh, in my mind. Uh, but Baylor will be taking part in the Armed Forces Bowl on December 22nd. It's never really a good sign if you're playing pre-Christmas uh, in the bowl season. Uh, it's definitely never a good sign if you're playing at your arch-rival stadium uh, less than two hours away. Um, but that's what's going to happen here as uh, Baylor plays at Amon Carter, TCU's Amon Carter Stadium, and takes on uh, Air Force. And they're obviously unique in what they do, uh, but the Falcons and Bears uh, coming up in the Armed Forces Bowl on December 22nd. You win and you finish 7-6 and six and at least go out on a bit of a high note. You lose, and man, that would be just absolutely awful uh, for you. So important game in, in actually a lot of ways, despite the fact that there's not going to be tons of fanfare because it's not the Sugar Bowl and it's not Ole Miss and things like that, but... Uh, man, I'd rather have the trophy in my case than have the ridicule and embarrassment of going 6-7 and seven and losing at TCU's place and losing to a service academy, all due respect. Uh, they, they have no choice but to win this game. Yeah, they got, I mean, Air Force is pretty good. They're 9-3, and three, um, but Baylor's opened as a 6.5-point favorite. Uh, the over-under is only 49.5, so they're expecting a lower-scoring game, which I think is pretty wise. Um, but I think you're exactly right. This, this is a game Baylor should win. Air Force start off the year, their first two games, they destroyed Colorado, and that was kind of the game where everyone was like, ooh, they're going to be really good this year. They came out lost to a very mediocre Wyoming team, and then the rest of this year, it's been kind of up and down, but their last four games, they have won four in a row going into this game, whereas Baylor's lost three in a row. So it's two teams kind of trending in different directions at this point in the year. Um, so these practices are going to be very important. Baylor's going to have to get some things corrected, um, but in general, if they stop the run, they're going to win this game. If they don't stop the run, then things get a little bit dicey. And, of course, as we know, Air Force is going to want to turn around and hand the rock off a ton in this one. But it's an exciting matchup in my eyes. I know people are bummed about the location and the opponent, but they're facing a 9-3 and team. Like, this is a great opportunity for Baylor, and I think this is a matchup that's very winnable. And for Baylor fans, I think for this Baylor team, they just need to find a way to get a win. And so I like this matchup better than some of the other ones that some teams got. Yeah, I mean, it's a winnable game, like you said. It's also a losable game. They'll have to be careful. We'll preview this more as we get closer. No need to deep dive on Air Force right now, but uh, that's what they're looking at. So there's football for you. There's what's going on. I'd rather have a bowl game than not have one. And this team could certainly use one, especially after the changes. But just another thing on their plate, but definitely – uh, you'd rather have these extra practices than not have them, uh, especially given the turning point that they're sort of at as a program right now. So, uh, meanwhile, I know some of this ground will be covered in the mailbag, but uh, men's basketball uh, bouncing back in a big way last week, beating uh, Gonzaga 66-63 to out in South Dakota at the Sanford Pentagon in the Peacock Classic. Uh, big win for Scott Drew and company, a big bounce back, and boy, did they need it after getting absolutely obliterated by Marquette. Uh, one of the more embarrassing losses in recent memory, uh, nearly 30-point blowout uh, against the uh, Shaka Smart-led uh, Marquette uh, program in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. So definitely a up-and-down week or a down-and-up week, uh, I guess, started off down and ended on a high note for the top 10 Bears. But, man, did they need that Gonzaga win. And now it'll be Tarleton coming up tonight, and then they'll have a nice lengthy break of at least uh, about a week and a half before they will then get into the Pac-12 coast-to-coast challenge against Washington State. But just this week and just for the immediate future, Tarleton, don't think we really need to preview that one, but any thoughts on uh, Marquette and Zaga last week? Yeah, I mean, they got smashed by Marquette. I think that environment was kind of underrated. That crowd was really into it, and Baylor just frankly laid an egg. They didn't play good at all. I think the physicality of Marquette, especially by their guards, really was a problem for this Baylor team, and they just looked really bad defensively as well. Um, so we knew they need to make corrections. And then this Gonzaga game happens, and Baylor played really good in the first half, but then the second half, things started to go the other way significantly. And I mean, honestly, with a minute 38, they were down by seven. 
Um, so for them to come back in this game is pretty awesome. Adam Flagler hit two huge threes just back-to-back. They got them right back in the game. Jalen Bridges made two free throws late, which was very fun to see because he's kind of had kind of a rocky start to his career at Baylor. And so good to see him kind of get back on track in this game and make two big shots at the free throw line. Keontae George played really well. And this, again, is one of those games where you, know, you got Flagler going 4-14. You got Keontae George going 6 of 15, LJ Cryer going 3 of 7, and yet they still found a way to win. That's very important because there's not many games where those three are going to be shooting that badly from the field. Uh, But like you said, this is just big for them. I think they're psyche and kind of moving forward. They need to get a big, another big non-conference win, especially after losing to Marquette. And so this immediately basically makes up for that because you know when the, the, uh, kind of the bracketology starts coming out and you have a Gonzaga win on your resume, that's going to mean a lot because Gonzaga is not going to lose very many games once they get into conference play. So, uh, as I mentioned, Tarleton this week and then about a week and a half of no action. Uh, they will play again before Christmas, and it will be Washington State in that Pac-12 challenge, but should handle their business tonight. And uh, nice to see them at least get some. And you know what? That basketball win was just needed by the fan base, just of athletics in general. Uh, off the ledge. Yeah, the fan, I, mean, I mean, for real. After the loss, fans were just, I mean, you lost 96 to 70. It was a bad performance. Well, it was on it the wasn't. heels of the football team and yeah. it, all that. So, I mean, it was just a run of, you know, just negative stories, it felt like. Yeah, Kyron enters the portal and people are freaking out over that. And then the coaches' firings and, yeah, just a, a lot of not so happy news. So that contributed. But ultimately, that Gonzaga win really alleviated some of the. The pressure that was building up for sure. Meanwhile, the uh, Baylor women uh, blowout win over Houston Christian uh, beat them by 44 points uh, the other night. So uh, able to uh, or on Sunday uh, able to grab a win, and that was their only game last week after uh, finishing runner up in the Gulf Coast Showcase. So they will now take on UT Arlington on Wednesday, and uh, then uh, have about a week off before facing Tennessee State and uh, then eventually get into their own Pac-12 challenge against Arizona. So that's what's coming down the pipeline for them. Uh, UT Arlington tomorrow, or Wednesday, uh, in Waco at the Farrell Center. Uh, all that's left on their plate as far as this week goes. Um, anything else before we get into the mailbag here? I don't think so. I think we pretty much hit everything and covered it. We got... Not too many mailbag questions this week. Yeah, let's fire through here. Uh, Scotty B, do you think Max Duggan or Kendry Miller from TCU both enter the NFL draft? I hope at least one of them does, but prefer both so TCU won't be as strong offensively next year. Yeah, I think Kendry will probably go. I would be shocked if he comes back, just given kind of the track record of running backs. It just seems to make a lot of sense when you're – you don't want to be too old when you go to the NFL. Duggan, I think, will probably stay at – I don't, I mean, is he going to have a better year next year than he did this year? Probably not. But is he really being thought of as a high NFL draft pick this year? I, I don't see that. So I think he'll probably be back. Yeah, I don't know what his eligibility situation is. Um, he's been around quite a while now at this point, but you have the COVID year and he's got one more year. All that for jazz. Sure. Uh, yeah, he's, let's see here. Yeah, he's just a straight up senior uh right now so yeah he'll definitely have at least one more year and I don't know I mean he could come back but how many of the weapons are going to be around him again Mm -hmm. I mean from the O-line to Quentin Johnston to perhaps Kendry Miller uh to all receivers yeah um, yeah. so I I definitely don't think he's going because the NFL interest is going to be super strong but we'll see. So, yeah, I think he'll probably come back. Uh, Kendry Miller being a running back, like you said, I could see him going. I don't think either are super high-priority guys for the league, so uh, that remains to be seen. Um, where do you put the need of quarterback and transfer portal compared to other needs? Yeah, so, um, okay, nose tackle, cornerback, safety, offensive line, wide receiver, defense line, just like ends. That's all above quarterback for me. I just, I I don't really see, I think quarterbacks are priority if you don't get Kyron back in the sense that you need to bring in someone to be a depth piece, kind of like Luke Anthony. But I think the hope will be that with Austin Novosad arriving early, that you can mold him into being your second string quarterback or first string quarterback if he wins the job over Shapen. Um, 
But yeah, it, things do get interesting though, because what if Austin comes in and wins the starting job? That's where things get a little interesting. But I think they'll handle that situation far differently than they did a year ago, I, because I don't think you're going to make that decision in the spring this year unless it's shaping. Um, just my opinion on that. Yeah, I don't see really what the benefit of that would be. Uh, they're going to have to be smart and politic a little bit, I'm sure, and and just kind of massage that room and make sure they've got enough in the stable because not ideal to go in with two quarterbacks. I mean, that's just playing with fire. Uh, and they've done that, you know, in some years past where the, the quarterback room's been a little bit thinner, it feels like, and that's just it's asking for trouble, uh, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, I think – It'll be a very interesting spring. That's what I think. Uh, can't wait to see you know them roll it back out there. But first, got plenty of practices and a bowl game to get to, and we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, quarterback depth is definitely a concern right now, just not at the very top of the list. Anyways, I want to give a shout-out to Baylor Volleyball, making their fourth straight Sweet mm-hmm. 16. Also, everyone check out the Baylor Twitter account where they use my video to get fans fired up for basketball season. So there you go, Scotty. Uh, well done, and... Uh, yes, congratulations to Baylor Volleyball. Uh, shout out to Faith Lynch, who does some work with the uh, website as well, and uh, all the rest of the the Bears and Ryan McGuire and company. And good luck as they get ready to take on Louisville and try to get a spot in the Elite Eight. Master Pierce, MPH, how would you rate our defensive performances this year against the option attack? Some teams tried to run some variations of it, including KU came to mind first. Just curious about our likelihood of defensive success versus Air Force. Yeah, I just think this is a different animal. I don't think they faced anyone that's going to be that quite ran it to this level. Um, I mean, they didn't. You know what I mean? This is a totally different beast. I know KU ran it some some form of the option. Baylor runs some speed option type concepts. Um, so you get a little bit of that. But this kind of power triple option type thing that they can throw at you is just a little bit different. It's just a little bit different. And so I think, you know, looking at Baylor – We've seen at times them be really good against the run, but they're going to have to be even better in this game. Like, you can't miss tackles. You can't, um, you know, guys can't fall forward for three yards like we saw against Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas State, and um, Texas. Like, that can't happen if you want to beat Air Force, or else they're just going to keep running the football. They're going to keep getting third and ones, and they're going to keep converting. And so that's going to be huge for Baylor. But when they have played well, they've been able to stop the run. And so, I like their chances, but, I mean, that's really just going to come down to which Baylor team shows up because they've been totally Jekyll and Hyde at times this year with their run-stopping ability. And then, shoot, even against Texas, we saw them being okay against the run for three quarters, and then you get to the fourth quarter, and it just was an avalanche. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that I'd put the likelihood at 60% that they'll be able to stop that. I feel better about it because they have a couple of weeks to prepare for it. If this was like a turnaround after playing Oklahoma State the week before and then all of a sudden you're getting ready for Air Force's attack, then I'd be a bit more concerned. But the fact that they, you know, first of all, acknowledge the issues indoors and have started the process of kind of regrouping uh, thinks, makes me think that there will be a little extra edge to them that's been missing now that they've cleared that out of the way. And, um, you know, shaking the room up a little bit. And then also just the extra time, yeah, to be able to prepare for this. I, I don't feel nearly as badly about it. But it will be a unique challenge. It's not one that you're you're accustomed to. It's not all that similar to, you know, you're sure week in and week out where everybody's kind of doing something right. sort of similar. Um, Air Force is its own beast. And so, uh, thankfully, they have, like I said, those extra practices to really, you know, pr- get ready and prepare for this one. Um, let's see. Eniable, um, what is the best strategy for our offense against Air Force? Moving the ball methodically to maximize every drive or playing fast to try to maximize the number of drives? Methodically. That's how Baylor's played all year. They need to continue that. I mean, they can use some pace at times. I can definitely, you know, understand that. But I think in general, they need to be able to win up front and be able to win in the passing game. And I think that comes down to just being methodical like they've been at times this year. Um, I actually do like them in this spot. I think they're going to be able to move the football in Air Force pretty effectively, um, but it's all going to come down to can you establish the run up front? And if they can do that, then again, they should be just fine. And this is the this is the deal right here. We came into this year talking about Baylor being so good up front on the offensive and defensive lines. If you truly are really good up front, then you should have no problem against Air Force on either side of the ball. 
That's just how I feel about it. Now, have they been that team this year? No, it's been inconsistent. But can they be that team? Absolutely. We've seen it at times this year where they've been unstoppable running the football, and then that's led to some nice play-action ability as well. Um, But it's all about putting it all together for one game. Yeah, and uh, this will be one where their toughness is super tested as well. Mm -hmm. They've got that grit that Eric Mateos talks about. I mean, they're going to need to show it in this game. Uh, Hi, Ork. How active do you think Baylor will be in the transfer portal? What are the biggest needs? I feel like we've kind of addressed that. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to be active. They're going to look for guys that fit what they're trying to do. I think they're going to try to find older guys as well. I think as we're learning in the Big 12, it's about being older and then the year that your schedule hits are kind of the keys, right? So Baylor, for instance, every uh, odd year, they get five home games and four road games in conference play. So that's key. But then having an older team is also big. And I think Baylor's going to be focused on that with their transfer portal additions. Uh, Biggest needs, I've kind of talked about these a little bit. Safety, you know, kind of finding another safety to add to the mix. Cornerback potentially as well. They need a nose tackle. Um, They're probably going to look at defensive ends as well, depending on what happens with, you know, Gabe Hall and TJ Franklin, who I, I think will both be back. But obviously, if you lose one of them, you absolutely have to address defensive end. Um, so those are some important ones. Receiver, maybe. We'll see kind of what that room looks like in the coming weeks. And then offensive line. It's going to be very important. They need to add some parts there as well. Yep, they will be very active. Uh, Hierarch, to answer your, your questions. Uh, NJ, Papa Bear, any way we can play some other Armed Forces team, Canada or France? Um, no, fortunately, it's the American Armed Forces that they have to face. Uh, so, yeah, uh, can't face the, the Brits or the Canucks. Um, but, uh, yeah, it will be a, a handful, no, no doubt about it. But uh, thank you, Papa Bear, for the question. McLennan Bear 18 do either of you have any idea what's happening at Oklahoma State to cause this mass exodus? If something like that happened here, I would imagine it would cripple our roster. And for those that are unaware, um, the transfer portal has been quite unkind to Mike Gundy's Cowboys. Uh, Spencer Sanders entered yesterday. Um, and you also had uh, Braylon Presley, who was a former four-star. Uh, he entered, uh, and they were just the, the latest. I mean, there was a, a Trace a, Ford entered, who was yeah. a big Baylor target when Rule was here. He was another one that he's been around for up. forever. Uh, yeah. Mason Cobb, uh, one of their mm-hmm. star linebackers, uh, one he of their stars. Yeah. Uh, he's gone, but uh, you're looking at uh, as of right now, uh, Mason Cobb. Uh, Nadrian Desidare, Preston Hickey, Rashad Dixon, Canyon Williams, Spencer Sanders, Braylon Presley, Eli Russ, Thomas Harper, Dominic Richardson, who was, you know, uh, obviously a guy that got a lot of carries yeah. for them as well, and Trace Ford. Um, and, you know, looks like there will be others that join or have already joined, but that's a, it's already a pretty lengthy list. Uh, when you consider that Baylor's had two guys really since the portal opened, had two earlier in the season, but. Yeah, but this is like, they're losing. This is double digits. And they're losing guys who are legit, like some of their best Contributors, players. yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if this happened at Baylor, they would be in total trouble. Are you kidding me? You, yeah. It's hard to survive that. And really, any school would be having major problems if this happened to them as well. So This would be like losing, I mean, if Shapin was viewed a little bit more positively, but like losing him after he started yeah. this year, losing Dylan Doyle, losing um, like Matt Jones, losing Squirrel, losing like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that would be, whew, yeah, that would cripple the roster. And so what's going on is the question, Oklahoma State, this has kind of been rumored since the beginning of the year, really, that players were unhappy and it started to really surface more in the middle of the season as well. You know, as they started to lose games, it just felt like there were more and more rumors of just players being unhappy with what's going on there and just a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players. And I think this is pretty much confirming that. Yeah, I just think it's uh, not a great culture right now and not a great vibe around the facilities right now just in terms of the overall feel of the program and you know what that eventually turns into I don't know just a mass house cleaning and Gundy just hits the reset button on everything or if you know this builds and builds and then we finally get to a point where he's been around a long time and now it's you know I don't know but it's very interesting and and there's definitely something that's got to give one way or the other because this isn't normal in their state to have such a, a drop-off uh, in terms of their roster. Yeah, it's, it's really easy weird. to cover up things when you go 12-2. and two. A lot more difficult when yeah. you're 7-5. and five. Yeah, no, uh, 
you know, 12 and two versus yeah. six and six. Yeah. Uh, we see, you know, kind of the feeling around Baylor right now versus a year ago. But yeah, I mean, he's been around a long time and, you know, he's actively pursued jobs in the past. And uh, it's, it's very, you know, interesting how uh, he's been able to just carve out solid season after solid season after solid season. But there's these little, you know, when you're around long enough, there's little things that pop up from time to time. And he's had his little moments, but this is another one now. And this is the most, pre- you know, pressing because it's right in front of his face. He's got to figure out how to stop the bleeding on his roster for sure. But definitely something to keep an eye on. So thank you for the question, McLennan Bear. Trevor, MC, any indications on where Rand is leaning for a D.C.? No, I mean, we don't have anything right now. I mentioned a few guys that I personally would have interest in, but again, Aranda's going to take his time. I mentioned this in the chat this week, but uh, just a note here kind of on the timeline um, of just kind of his past hires. So Jeff Grimes was hired January 4th, Mateos January 8th, Chancey Stuckey January 13th, Kevin Curtis February 21st, Dallas Baker January 28th, and Ronnie Wheat was in January as well. So all this to say, based on past track, track record, we're probably not going to see a hire until January. Is just kind of how I'm viewing it right now. That obviously anything can change, anything can happen. Maybe he already has the guy, so he's just going to announce it quicker. But based on what he's done during his time at Baylor, it seems like January is when we'll probably get news of a defense coordinator. By the way, I just saw a random tweet. I wasn't even searching it out, but Max Duggan says he hasn't made up his mind on whether he's coming back or not. He has the extra COVID year. Um, So just going back to that question we had, I don't know what NFL interest there will be in him. Um, So it wouldn't be surprised to see him back, but they are losing a lot off that team. So we'll see. Uh, All right, one more to go here. Uh, and yeah, Trevor, it'll be be interesting, but we're probably waiting a little while, especially after signing day, I yeah. would imagine, this first one at least, and then you'll see a bunch of coaches moving places, and then you'll see it all again in February. Uh, Oso Coriel, what do you think of this Dion to Colorado move? Will it result in Colorado wanting to move to the Big 12, and that's where we'll finish this episode? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun move by Colorado. Do I think that's going to win them a ton of games? No. I, I don't. I think Dion can be successful. I think he's probably going to recruit at a fairly high level. Um, but at some point, I don't know that the X's and O's are necessarily going to be there where they're going to be great, nor do I know if the talent will be there. Colorado has just been a mess since they entered the Pac-12. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not here with a ton of confidence. I think Dion's going to go out there and just start winning Pac-12 championships. I don't see that. As far as moving to the Big 12, I don't think this move for Dion has any ramifications on whether they're entering the Big 12 or not. Yeah, no, I don't think his his hire has any real weight on realignment, uh, although I do, you know, wonder how much of a possibility there is still, you know, for some further movement. I mean, we had Tim Brando on yesterday, and he, basically, and he talks to folks behind the scenes, and he basically said, like, hey, there's more expansion coming, and... Yeah. There's expansion coming in the Big 12. Like, they're pursuing schools, and we know your mark's been on the record as, like, being open to anything. So, I don't rule out Colorado or any PAC contingent, you know, potentially joining up in the future. I I don't think Colorado would be first or second in line. I think that they would be, like, resistant to it unless they were forced into it. Um, So, I don't think Dion has any bearing on that. I think just the outside college football world has has all the – the actual weight when it comes to that kind of a move. But uh, just on the rest of your question, I think it's a really interesting hire. I think it's a home run for Colorado, at least right now on the surface. I mean, they'll never get this much attention uh, in the future foreseeably for any reason, and they haven't gotten this much attention uh, in probably 20 years. I mean, it's or if not longer than that. It's crazy how much we're talking about Colorado football. They've been an afterthought. Ever since joining the Pac-12, quite frankly, outside of the couple years where like Steven Montez was winning some games for them from El Paso, um, they recruited Texas, especially like DeSoto and, and those areas pretty strongly, and got some good players like the Jarek Broussards of the world, although he is now at Michigan State, but the LaBisca Chenault was another guy up there for them. Um, R.J. Sneed transferred there. Didn't do much this season from what I saw, but you know he transferred there this past offseason. So they've dipped into Texas. I'm sure Dion with his Texas connections will as well. Um, but I think he's going to be all over the portal. I think that that's going to be a fun ride for those beat reporters up there because he's going to make it exciting this offseason. He's going to bring his. He's going to bring Travis Hunter. 
He's going to bring Shador, yeah. his other son as well, will join, I'm sure, and however many other handful of guys from Jackson State. And we'll see what happens. But, I mean, it's it's a fun storyline. It's interesting. And I'm fascinated by, you know, the fact that Colorado was seemingly the only program that I guess wanted him. And yeah. uh, you thought that he'd maybe go somewhere else, but this was his opportunity and the timing is right. And so, yeah, he's jumping on it. And we'll see where it takes everybody. He's, yeah, he's going to get out of there so fast, too. Once they, it's oh, gonna I'm be sure. just like if Mel he wins, Tucker, yeah. Where Mel Tucker just what he one good year and then he left mm-hmm. and then got paid at Michigan State after one good year. I just I don't see this even. I mean, yes, they have to win a lot of games, but the thing of it is, is if they just go six and six in the Pac-12, that'd be a huge step forward for them, and that would probably get him another job. I mean, because they've been so bad in recent years. Yeah, I don't think he's long for Boulder, uh, but I didn't think he was gonna go there in the first place. So what do I know? Uh, I thought you know, there would be other options and there weren't clearly. Yeah. So good for Colorado. Like what for else sure. are you going to do? Just go get some retread and be boring. Run I mean, they've back. done that. Yeah. yeah. They've, they've been doing that. So I think they, they've shaken the cage a little bit and it'll be fun to see how that goes, but there's a very high success rate. And there's also a very, I think high, like explosion rate as yes. well. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I I'm digging it right now. Thank you for the question. And thank you everybody else for the questions as well. Uh, a lot of stuff going on transfer portal, coaching carousel bowl season now as well for the bears looking for a new DC and safeties coach, uh, looking for some folks in the portal and obviously looking ahead to air force here in about three weeks against, uh, or against playing air force, uh, in Fort worth in the armed forces bowl. So a lot to keep talking about and, that's just football. We also got hoops continuing on and volleyball, Sweet 16 for the time being. So uh, getting to more of that next week. Grace, anything before we go here? No, I mean, of course, if you're not a premium subscriber, I encourage you to do so. We're going to have all kinds of news and notes as signing day is coming right around the corner, really. Um, it's going to be an exciting time. So we'll have news notes on that. Of course, the defense coordinator search as well. We'll have a lot of insider notes on that before it happens. Basketball as well as that's getting rolling also, and then, of course, uh, 365 Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, covering all college sports. Uh, y'all do a great job with that on our YouTube channel. Thank you. Uh, and, yes, definitely check that out. Hit subscribe if you could. I don't try to hammer that over people's heads very much, but on occasion it is, well, the least you could do for us. We would appreciate it. And, um, yeah, hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up, what have you, and pass the word if you could as well. Thanks to uh, Garrett Ross behind the scenes, and thanks to Grayson Grunhafer, and thanks to all of you out there listening as well. Until next time, uh, the busy news cycle keeps going, uh, and we'll be all over it over on Sikkim365.com. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the BearCast right here on 365 Sports, Sikkim365.com.